0: on Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day, listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And also... Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. But what are we talking about on today's pod? Well... Yesterday, we had part one, 12 D-backs of Christmas. Today, we got part two of 12 D-backs of Christmas. Basically, we're picking six more D-backs players. We picked six yesterday, picking six more today, and basically telling you what they're bringing to your stocking this holiday season to help improve the team in 2022. So it's going to be a jam-packed, fun, informative pod as always. But before we jump into the pod, we first got to play that nice-ass intro. Intro drop. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Millie Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks still here, so let's get into the 12 days of Christmas and the first one. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, Merrill Kelly, getting his control back from the 2020 season. That one I thought was going to rhyme, but I kind of butchered it a little bit. But what we want here is Merrill Kelly getting that elite control back from the in 2020 season because Merrill Kelly was basically step for step pitch. For pitch for pitch with Zach Gallen to start the twenty twenty season. They were basically uh, the two aces of the staff in twenty twenty. Merrill Kelly was just as good as Gallen in 2020, and the same could probably be said in 2021, but for different reasons. In 2020, here are some Merrill Kelly stats and we'll juxtapose it with what he did in 21. In 2020, Merrill Kelly 989 Whip 21, 129 Whip, 2020. hits per 9, 2021, 9.3 hits per 9, 2020, 8.3 strikeouts per 9, 21, 7.4 strikeouts per 9. I could just feel a cough coming and I'm trying to repress it. You just know when you have that feeling of a cough. You know it's coming. You try your hardest not to cough, but it's almost impossible. I'm trying the best not to cough right now, so we'll see what happens. But only made five starts in 2020. But four of them were quality starts. And what's a quality start? It's when you go at least six innings and give up three earned runs or less. Merrill Kelly did that in four of his five starts. But... Only 10 of his 27 starts in 2021 were deemed quality. That's only 37%. And only 2 of his first 5 starts were considered quality. So, he only had 5 starts in 2020 and 4 of them were quality. But in 2021, he could not get off to the same hot pace that he did last season with only 2 of his first 5 starts being considered quality. His infield fly ball percentage and double play percentage were both about 20% in 2020. But both of them dropped to 11% and 5% risk respectively in 2021 the guy just wasn't jamming players position players at the plate the same way he was in 2020 he was fooling those guys with that control he wherever the catcher basically set up to locate Merrill Kelly was hitting that spot consistently and he just wasn't doing it with the same consistency in 21 I think uh I, I think that's why you see those percentages dropping in 2021 His strikeout-looking percentage dropped from 38% to 29%, just further illustrating how players just weren't as fooled as much with Merrill Kelly's stuff in 21 as opposed to last season. His left-on-base percentage, this was a big drop-off, went from 92% in 2020 to only 70.5% in 2021. I'm the biggest Merrill Kelly defender you'll find because he's better than uh, what people think and doing the the research for this discussion just further crystallized that for me that Merrill Kelly is a pretty solid pitcher. I still think he's probably a back-end starter though at at best, but if he can improve his control by like 20% and get closer to where it was in 2020, then he could potentially be a number three starter in a playoff rotation, and if the D-backs continue to suck next year, it would make Kelly even more valuable and probably very valuable to a contender looking for a middle rotation back-end starter. Don't let the haters fool you. Merrill Kelly is a good pitcher, and doing this exercise and research just further, il- further illustrated that. So if Merrill Kelly could get that control back to where it was in 2020, at least by 20%, I think the perception of him around the league will just increase uh, because I, I don't know if it could be any lower than what it is right now. Next up. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Carson Kelly coming in clutch like he did in 2019. Carson Kelly, the numbers from 2019 and 2021, a lot of them look very similar when you look at the traditional numbers, but when you take a deep dive into just the clutch stats the big moment stats they were not the same for Carson Kelly in 2019 again we're going to do the juxtaposition of looking at 2019 versus what he did this past season in 2019 Merrill uh excuse me got my Kelly's confused Carson Kelly runners in scoring position 263 average 813 OPS that's in 2019 in 2021 Runners in scoring position, 225 average, 805 OPS. So, not that big of a drop off, but a little bit of a drop off there. High leverage moments, 270 average, 960 OPS in 2019. Really phenomenal. How about 2021? High leverage, 197 average, 599 OPS. Not the same. How about two outs? Not two outs, runners in scoring position, just two outs. 2019, 253 average, 865 OPS. 2021, 216 average, 686 OPS. How about when the D backs are behind in the game? 2019, Carson Kelly, 276 average, 898 OPS. 2021, 213 average, 633 OPS. And the last one for you. Inning 7 to 9 in 2019, he batted 256 with 915 OPS in 2021. Inning 7 to 9, only a 168 average and a 548 OPS. The numbers are clear. Carson Kelly was not the same guy in the clutch in 2021 as he was in 2019. He had a nice bounce back season after struggling in 2020, but the clutchness was still missing from his game this past season. Kelly was a big reason the D backs overperformed expectations in 2019 because kelly was one of the dudes consistently getting the big knocks but this past season he still would get the big knocks but it felt like they were coming more in the early part of the game and he wasn't really getting too much late kelly still has the upside to be a middle of the order bat but if he can not get back to crushing it in the clutch like he did in 2019 then he will not just be a middle of the order bat but a middle of the order bat potentially on a playoff team a middle of the order bat that's viewed like a Buster Posey or Yadier Molina, because I think he has the offensive talent to be one of the best offensive catchers in the game like a Posey or Molina. But but the difference between those guys and what Kelly was doing this past season is those guys... Always seem to come through in the clutch for those teams. Those guys were usually the driving forces offensively of those teams. And Carson Kelly's not going to be the driving force, but he can be one of the driving forces, but he has to do it in the clutch. I love Carson Kelly. D backs better not think about trading him this offseason because he's an ascending catcher, both defensively and offensively. And that is just tough to find in baseball. It's like trying to find a modern big in the NBA that's not uh, Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid. Like, it's tough. To find those Jared Allen types in the NBA. So for baseball, it's tough to find those really high upside catchers. That's not the Salvador Perez or the Buster or the Buster Posey. So I'm holding on to my Carson Kelly stock, and the D backs better not do the same because they better not trade a guy with this kind of potential and this kind of ceiling. Now we'll get through the rest of the 12 D-backs of Christmas. But first, I want to tell you about how this episode is brought to you by uh this episode is brought to you by Built Bar I had to find which ep- had to find which sponsor was sponsoring this podcast but this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar you get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy when you get a Bill Bar. So many flavors. Bilt Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavor at a family party. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor. You're friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bar in those stockings this holiday season, I want to cozy up with something warm. Here's a holiday secret: dip your built bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Into a piping hot cup of cocoa. A little tongue twist. A little tongue twister. There, I'm getting all tongue twisted on this ad. Like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, go get you a built bar puff because it's basically a s'mores. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15 percent off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15 percent off at built.com. This episode is also brought to you by Fantracks. All right, D-Backs fans. It's already been an interesting offseason, and it won't be long before pitchers and catchers report. I'm going to give you the inside track on the absolute best fantasy baseball platform in the industry. It's Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable MLB fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your Dynasty Keeper Redraft and Best Ball Leagues. Create or join a Fantasy Baseball Commissioner League, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. It's also the top Dynasty Fantasy Baseball platform in the industry. Go deep with the Ultimate Keeper and Dynasty Leagues. Create a simple redraft league or even a customizable Best Ball League with up to 2,000 teams. Coming from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to do allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Among the most trusted names in fantasy sports since 2008, Fantrax invites you to sign up today for free. If you do, you'll be entered to win an official MLB-signed Fernando Tatis Jr. Baseball. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash locked on and use promo code Tatis when you sign up to be eligible to win. If there is anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantasy sports doesn't sleep, and neither does Fantrax, with seasons running 365 days a year. There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it the permanent home for all their fan- fantasy leagues. Don't miss the opportunity. Sign up today to win an official MLB signed Fernando Tatis Jr. Baseball. Simply go to fantrax.com lockdown and use that promo code Tatis. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports, play ball. Alright, there was the cough. it was coming at the end of that uh ad read right there so the cough finally caught up to me and finally got me but now let's get back into the pod and let's of course continue the 12 d backs of christmas and we are on day nine on the ninth day of christmas my true love gave to me Dalton Varsha proven the second half wasn't fluky that one was a very quality one by me if I do say so myself but Dalton Varsha one of the most talked about polarizing guys on this D-backs team I'm not even sure if polarizing is the correct word because maybe just straight out popular a different P word because I don't know I don't know anyone, any person who follows the D-backs, likes the D-backs, or a D-backs fan that is anti-Dalton Varsho. I feel like that's a super tiny camp. I think everyone is pretty pro-Dalton Varsho. it's because what he's been able to do in the minor leagues, a 30-30 catcher, like you just don't see it, and he hadn't really shown it on the major league level just yet through his first couple years, but this second half of 2021, this man turned it on and he gave us flashes of why everyone has talked this man up so much the past few years because I'm going to do it again for you guys. Let's juxtapose Dalton Varsho's first half versus second half stats. First half, 143 average in the first half. Second half, 290 average. 290 average versus 143 average. OPS, 464 to 879. Home run to fly ball ratio went from 3.7% to 12.4%. Dolson Varsho was a new man in the second half of the season. His hard contact rate numbers rose. His runners and scoring position numbers rose. The dude obviously got better across the board in the second half of the season. And he flashed tremendous leather in the outfield robbing home runs at the wall and making full out dives in the outfield getting 85% of the Dalton Varshow from the second half for full season next year could mean an all-star birth for him. I'm not saying I expect an all-star appearance for Dalton Varsha, but I think it's definitely possible if he puts a full season together. Varsha has all the physical tools you will want in a star player. He's got the power, he's got the speed, he's got the size, etc. And with all those tools, it allows him to be a malleable defender as well. So he just doesn't have to be the platoon to Carson Kelly for the rest of his life. But he can actually be an all-worldly outfielder because I think center field might be the spot for Dalton Varsho. I just hate, I hate watching Ketel Marte in center field. The dude just seemed to be so injury prone. He just seemed to. I don't really love a Ketel Marte's feel in the outfield. I think he can do it, but from an avoiding injuries perspective, it seems like Ketel Marte won't be able to do that in center field. I like him at second base, and then his numbers I think were actually better when he played second base offensively. So I want to move Ketel Marte back there, and that's all possible because Dalton Varsho can play some really good center field for this team. Varsho's development is one of the biggest X-Factors in the NL West next season. How quickly can he reach his ceiling, if ever, will directly affect how the D-backs build their team and how they currently view the players on their own roster. Varsho, seriously one of the most important swing players in the division next season, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a D-backs fan. However Dalton Varsho develops, if he develops very quickly into the guy that we've been waiting for, this second half wasn't a fluke, then it will... Probably speed up the process of the D-backs thinking that they're a competitive team. And maybe they try even harder next offseason during the season next year. Dalton Varsho is that kind of player. He's going to be that kind of X-factor for this team. And if he shows that the second half wasn't a fluke, then man, the league better watch out. Because Varsho is going to be putting baseball on watch next year. But let's talk about a guy who used to put baseball on watch but doesn't really do it anymore. Because on the 10th day... On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me mass and bumgarner becoming a workhorse once again. And when I say workhorse, I'm not talking about. Let's get him back to being a potential Cy Young candidate with uh 250 strikeouts a year and a 2.9 ERA, like. I don't really believe that's in the cards anymore for and Bumgarner. At this point of his career, what I want from Bumgarner, when I mean workhorse, is literally the definition of a workhorse. Just pitch deep into games. Merrill Kelly was a workhorse last season. I don't think Bumgarner was on the same level as a Merrill Kelly in terms of being a workhorse, In terms, at least in my mind. The numbers might actually tell you a different story, but watching the games, it didn't feel that way because Bumgarner used to be a workhorse in his career. He averaged 214 innings pitch per season throughout his career, and as recently as 2019, he pitched over 200 innings. That's not something we've seen from a Bumgarner during his time in Arizona. Of course, last season, this was a 2020 season, so it was a short year. He wasn't going to pitch 200 innings and only 13 starts. That would have been wild, but he's only averaged this past season, 2021, he only averaged 5.6 innings per game and 88 pitches per start. Both were his worst since his rookie season, if we don't count 2020. And guys, I always try to not count 2020 because it was such a weird year, so I usually throw it out so those were his worst marks since his rookie season if you prorate his innings over the course of 34 starts which is pretty much a full season he has a few seasons where he made 34 starts so if you prorate his 5.6 innings per star over 34 starts that's still only 190 innings pitch which is still pretty great but it's not that 200 inning mark that just a nice round number that i want to see a bum garner get to and the other issue with Bumgarner as to why he wasn't able to hit that mark last season is because the dude has trouble has had trouble staying healthy the past couple of seasons. And really, if you look at his last like five years outside of 2019, he's had trouble staying healthy. So getting healthy and staying healthy is the first order of business for Mass and Bumgarner. But it's also hard to pitch late into games when you're not. Giving quality starts to your team. His 38% quality start percentage was by far the worst mark of his career. Again, if we don't count last year. First time he's been below 50% in his career. As he pitched deeper into games, hitters adjusted really well last year. First time through the order, the OPS was between 600 and 700 last year. Second time through the order, OPS was around 700 to 800, and then third time through the order last year, the OPS allowed was above 800 for and Bumgarner, and those numbers bleed into his runners in scoring position stats because he was terrible with runners in scoring position last year. 272 average allowed and 828 OPS allowed. The quickest way to be taken out of the game is to give up multiple runs at a time every time the other team is in scoring position. Bumgarner is still owed a whopping $60 million over the next three years, so he's going to need to earn that deal by pitching like the workhorse he was advertised to be when he first came to Arizona. So uh, do I still have hope Bass and Bumgarner could be a good pitcher? Yeah. Do I still feel like he could be a number three guy? Yeah. Did we decide to pay him $20 million a year to be a middle-to-back-end starter for this D-backs team? No, but I think that's where we are at this point of Bumgarner's career I think for that contract to be worth it, he has to be around that 200 innings mark. If he consistently stays below that with the poor play, with the poor pitching on the field, then it's going to be a tough era for the Mass and Bumgarner era in a D backs uniform. Now, we'll wrap up the pod with my final two players for this 12 D backs of Christmas themed topic and podcast. But this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or a mobile website to sign up today and receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code LockedOn to receive your bonus from basketball football nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts get back into the podcast and let's wrap up our 12 d-backs of christmas it's been a fun pod doing this the last two days Um i'm kind of sad it's ending because this was a pretty fun pod to do because i've done a lot of research for these numbers for these players so it's always fun doing this kind of research because it really uh it either changes your opinions or updates or, or gives you new opinions on these players maybe even updates the opinion you already had on these players so i like doing this research i like doing these topics but enough about me let's get back to the players on the podcast and let's move on with day 11 on the 11th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Ketel Marte just staying healthy. Yes, for Quetel Marte, guys, it was tough to find faults in this guy's game. Ketel Marte is nearly a flawless player. Now, there's no player in baseball that's flawless unless you guys want to give me, oh, Mike Trout does it all. Yes, I know Mike Trout by the numbers is pretty much flawless, but so is a Quetel Marte. He's pretty close to being flawless. His splits are pretty much dead even versus righties and lefty starters. Like, literally, it was like a 950 OPS against righties and like a 970 OPS against lefties. His home road splits are the same as well. Like, this dude doesn't matter if he's at Chase Field, Petco Park, uh, Yankee Stadium. It doesn't matter if he's at his little league field in his neighborhood. Like, this dude balls no matter where he is. OPS was above 1,000 with runners in scoring position. Two outs and runners in scoring position. His OPS was above 1,100. OPS above 1,000 when D-backs are trailing in a game. He does not strike out a lot. And he takes a ton of walks. So you're not striking out and you're walking, getting on base. My goodness, his hard contact rate numbers across the board. Hard hit percentage, barrel percentage, exit velocity. No matter what hard contact number you look at, they were all the same or better than what they were in 2019 when, again, he finished top five in MVP voting. And also this past season, he led the D-backs in contact percentage. Like, seriously, it was tough to find any faults in Ketel Marte's game. That's why I said, if he can just stay healthy, that's all I need from a Quetel Marte because I seriously thought this guy was maybe the best player in baseball last season. Like, that's obviously hard to say. It's a big argument. But the dude to the eye test, if you take out a Vlad Guerrero Jr. or, like, three players, like, I I think it's pretty safe to say when healthy, Keto Marte looked like a top five player in baseball. Or I think the better way to say it because I don't really like to do straight up rankings. I think Hector Marte looked like a tier one player in baseball when healthy last season. A true superstar, a true franchise changing offensive player when he stepped on the field last season and he was healthy. He's almost a damn near perfect player. Now, there is a couple things you could quibble with. He could be a better two-strike hitter, but there's like five really good two-strike hitters in all of baseball. Like, I'm not going to quibble if the guy is not good when the count's 0-2. And he still had like a 690 OPS in those moments. Like, it wasn't the worst. Ketel Marte. He did ground into a double. He, his ground ball... Or grounding into double play percentage. That's a better way to say. It. His ground into double play percentage was a career high last season. He was grounded into double plays more than often, and it was at 13% career high uh, back in 2019. I think he was below, I don't even think he was in double digits. So that might have been the most concerning stat from when I was doing this. Uh, deep dive on Ketel Marte, but maybe defenses were playing him differently. Like, I'm not going to be that concerned with uh, a 13% double play percentage. So, hard to find fault with any of Marte's numbers. Seriously, if he just stays healthy next season, that would be enough for me because I think Ketel Marte is a phenomenal player to watch. He's marvelous, and I have no complaints ab- about Ketel Marte except for his health. And the other guy I have who is in the same vein as a Ketel Marte is... On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, Zach Gallin, continuing to add heat to that fastball. Zach Gallin, just like a Ketel Marte. Uh, I think he's a pretty damn good player. Now, I think he's probably less perfect than a Ketel Marte, but I still think, I think if Zach Gallin was healthy this past season and didn't miss all that time with random injuries, I think his season would have just been just fine because his whip his walks per nine, his strikeout percentage, like they were still all right along with what he did the prior two seasons. His FIP is the only number that was a little up around a 4.2, but outside of that, most of his numbers still look pretty much similar. Where Gallin can take a leap, it's just putting dudes away. I, again, his strikeout percentage is like 27% for his career, so it's really high, but I think there's another level he can tap into. Last season, he was bottom fourth in the league in both chase rate and with percentage. When DeGrom first broke into the league, his swing and strike percentage was in the low 20s, but through the years, he hit the mid-20s, and now it sits around 33%. And it's not a coincidence. DeGrom's fastball velocity has steadily increased as more bats swing and miss throughout the years. And during all that, he's always been a guy that's thrown strikes around 67% of the time. So you just look at DeGrom's career, as his fastball has gone faster, the bats have missed more strikes, and he's always been a guy throwing strikes around two-thirds of the time. Right now, Gallon's swing strike percentage for his career is only 19%. Degrom was that. Degrom was above 30% the last two seasons. Gallon is only at 19% right now, but that's okay because Degrom was around 19% those first three or four years in baseball. Where Gallon can improve, where uh, where Gallon can improve and reach to the level of a Degrom quicker is the strike percentage for his career gallon only throws strikes around 63 percent of the time to gram around 67 percent of the time the more you throw strikes is going to put hitters more on their toes they're going to be looking to swing even more so as you add those ticks to your velocity uh The players at the plate, they're gonna be more antsy to swing, but now you can just throw it right by them. So I want Gallant to increase that fastball velocity because it has gotten minimally faster since coming to Arizona. And when I say minimally, I mean minimally because basically his fastball velocity was 92.9 miles per hour in 2019. It's like it was like 93.4 miles per hour in 2021. So he's basically added a half mile on his velocity. Over the past three seasons, I'm not I'm not saying Gallon is going to wake up tomorrow and throw 100 like a Degrom right away. But if he can consistently be around 95, 96 mile an hour on his fastball while mixing in that nasty curveball and changeup, I think it would only make Gallon a nastier pitcher. Again, his career strikeout percentage is already pretty high, around 27%. His strikeouts per nine is already double digits. But I think there's another level Gallon could get into and tap into. just has to increase that fastball velocity and one thing that encourages me as to why he can do it is because when you look at the sticky stuff crackdown it really didn't affect gallon i think he lost like 30 rates on his spin on the fastball 30 rotations is that the better way to say it like His numbers, his spin rate, his velo, it was all pretty much the same as it was the past two years, even after the Sticky Stuff crackdown. So I'm not worried about that for Gallon, that affecting him for Zach Gallon. So Zach Gallon, if he can improve that fastball velocity, it will make his other pitches look better, it will strike out more batters at the plate, and it will just make him a better pitcher overall. So Gallon, work on that heat, my friend, this offseason. Now that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the podcast. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you. So thank you. I'm going to go text Ben Kaspec of Locked on Giants to see if he wants to hop on the pod because I would love to have him on the pod because I would love to rib him a couple times about losing Buster Posey and Kevin Gosman and just how pessimistic I'm on the Giants. Uh, for next season, so I would love to get Ben caspic of Lockdown Giants on this pod to make fun of him a little bit and how his offseason is going so far, but go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown Bets with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling if you want to put some extra money in your pocket because they've, had, they've definitely put some extra money in my pocket, and of course, as always, what do I always say at the end of every Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast? Please, please, please stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!